You know what, Sam? What? I think we had a good break. Yes, we did. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We've hoped you have had um, a good couple of weeks, actually. And like what Sam said, uh, we've had a nice long break. And um, it's going to be fun, Sam. Uh, hockey season is getting closer. I am very excited. I am, too. One month away, a little bit more than a month away, right around the month away. Yeah, right? and I can already see that you're wearing your Saints Jersey because yep. football started too. Yep, football started this weekend. My Saints won, so it's a good start to the football year. I'm ready for a good start to the hockey year. Yes, and that's what that's the main thing that we're looking forward to us both. So yeah, we are back. Uh, first things first, we're, we're going to tell you just a little bit about how our break went. Um, exciting news about me meeting someone. If you haven't followed our social media. And um, then we'll get into quite a bit of some news here, both NHL and Hurricanes news. And then we're going to be talking about some pressing matters that I think a lot of Hurricanes know with the Chicago affiliates, yep. which is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, let's still right into it. Um, so what did you do in uh, your first couple of weeks for a break? No, oh, Well, you know, kind of. Did some fantasy drafts for football, kind of prepared, and then watched some football on Thursday night, which is normally when we would be recording, and then just worked, you know, same old, same old, but didn't uh, have to record, so, you know, didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, Um, that was mostly my uh, type of thing, too, although something did happen this past Friday that I think... Uh, you all should know that don't follow our socials. If you don't, please follow us. It's just the Kaniac Report on both Instagram and Twitter. But Friday, I, I or I would say probably earlier, a couple weeks before, I found out uh, Jacob Slavin and I go to the same church. And because of that, there was a huge church event um, a few days ago on Friday. And... I was able to talk to him. He's a very great, wonderful guy. Um, I also saw Chaffield. I did not meet him like I did with Slavin, but uh, it was just awesome meeting with Slavin. He is such a very genuine, down-to-earth guy. He's very wonderful. And um, just having that picture at the end really just helps me look back on that memory. And it was, it was just great, Sam. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I'm sure you were. I could have gone, though, so it's my own fault. True. (laughs) So, yes, uh, that was just a very great experience for me. As you guys know, especially when we ranked our all-time favorite Hurricane players in a previous episode, Slavin has been a huge role model of mine, and I am very happy and thankful to have met him. So um, that's what's been happening for us these past couple weeks, and obviously... I had work just like Sam did, and I watched. I I did watch the first UNC football game, which I was happy they won because I am a UNC fan. Boo! 
Yeah, I know. You're a Duke fan. But Duke beat Clemson. Hey, Duke beat Clemson. UNC beat South Carolina. And NC State lost, so everybody's happy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Everybody's happy. Although I think the majority of our listeners are state fans. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm just guessing, but yeah. So that's what's been going on in our lives, and uh, now we're gonna get to some NHL news. And Sam, quite a bit of news happening. Uh, so Friday, um, same night, I met Slavin. Uh, there was actually a GM meeting that had coaches involved, which um, I thought was pretty good that they had coaches involved. But the biggest thing, Sam which I found surprising uh, that raised a lot of eyebrows was that both Stan Bowman and Joel Quinville talked to them about yep. lessons they've learned. I don't know how I feel about that. Yep. So they're trying to come back to the league. That's the point. That's what they did. That was the goal for that. Um, Cause they have to convince other people that they're ready to come back and that they've learned some lessons. Um, I think one was a little bit more involved in the other in the whole Kyle beach thing, but um I mean, you know, if, if they come back, they come back. I'm not opposed to it necessarily. But um, I would expect Gary Bettman to give a very good reason as to why he allowed them to come back. I think, I, 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 think I, think he sh- I think he should give a good reason. Because if you just let him back in and you don't say, oh, well, this is well reasoning behind it, I think there's going to be a problem with that. So I'm okay either way, but you just need to really have a reasoning behind why you're letting Quinville, who is a very good coach, and Stan Bowman, who is a general manager, back into the league. Um, again, I don't my my knowledge of the situation is limited, so I'm not sure exactly how much involvement Quenville and Bowman had in that whole situation. Um, uh, they 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 had quite a bit of say in that situation of them trying to keep quiet. It it's not it was not a good look. No, for the organization. No, and it, it the organization suffered for it when it comes to people and how they feel about them for sure. Um, also, why a lot of people were upset with them getting uh, Bedard. They, they exactly. Probably didn't deserve after what had happened. They probably didn't deserve that. Um, but if again, if they let him back in, Quinville's a very good coach. Um, he would get a job for sure. They just need to give a reasoning behind the move. So. Um, Either way, you need to say why. Yes, exactly. And I, I mean, I a little bit agree with you in that statement. And, and listen, what they did was wrong. I am not going to justify their actions. They, what they did was wrong. Yes. Um, but I do think because of your them being bought or being reinstated, I would say to the NHL, uh, you have to have a very good reason. And I say you probably need to explain what the process was. Yeah. Because if you just let them in without any accountability, without any, going through any type of process because of their actions, that's going to be uh, a huge negative impact on the NHL. Yeah, I mean, you brought... I mean, yeah, for sure. But they're trying to get back in because Mike Babcock is back, right? Exactly. Um, granted, I hate Toronto, so I really don't care what he did to any <laughs> player who played for Toronto. Um, so... And Toronto players are babied all the time. So, you know what? Maybe they needed a little tough love from Mike Babcock. Um, but, you know, Quinville's just as, you know, he's an exceptional coach. I understand him wanting to come back. Um, 
Yeah, but again, it just needs to have the reasoning. And I think at that point, you take a look at it. And if the reasoning is good, let them back in. If it's not, I'm not in the position to make the call. But you have to have a reason behind it. Exactly. Uh, so the next piece of news, Sam, uh, this is a big contract that happened. Uh, Jake Sanderson signs an eight-year, $8.05 million contract. Sam, that makes me happy so much for Slavin's contract, for Brent Burns' contract, even Pesci's contract. A, a little bit, a little bit. Brent Burns isn't going to sign another contract. Dude's going to retire at the no, end of I know, I, <laughs> I know, I know, but I mean, it, it just makes me be thankful of just the amount of good cap management yeah, um, that we'll get to later um, in a future episode. But um, I think, uh, I mean, you look at Sanderson, he, he has a high ceiling and yeah. it seems like a lot of Ottawa senators fans see that he was a, I think number five pick, I believe when they drafted Tim Stutzel, who's been lighting it up for them. Um, Ottawa, I mean, they have a good team. I just don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. There's, that division is tough. I like Buffalo more than Ottawa to make the playoffs. Um, I do, too. Um, but I, also, I, I, think, I think Buffalo has the better D yeah. than Ottawa does. I'm also a fan of Skinner, so I just want to see him in the playoffs. Because <laughs> I think of all the players in the National Hockey League, he deserves it more than anybody else at this point in his career. Because he's never played in a playoff game. And the guy has earned it. Um, I think the main thing between Buffalo and Ottawa is going to be goaltending because they both have those questions. Yes. Now, I'll say this about the contract. My guess is Slavin's in that area. Yeah, he could be. I think he's between seven and eight. I don't think they go higher than maybe eight and a half if they want to keep him. But I think with Slavin, they get the, I think they got to get it. If they don't get it done next year, then I'm starting to get concerned. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. But, I mean, Sanderson, I mean, they signed him because of his potential. And I think his potential, I think, is higher than probably Pesci's and and Shea's. And you look at that contract, I think that could give Carolina maybe some negotiating, um, well, just um, some tactics and how they negotiate with uh, Pesci of uh, being like, hey, uh, Sanderson, he is projected to be a better defenseman, better than you, and he's getting paid $8 million. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely uh, see Carolina using that contract of trying to bring down the um, cost of Pesci's contract. And I don't want to sign them, though. I don't want to sign both. I want to move one. Oh, trust me, I do, I too. At this point, there's just no room on the roster. Look, Mike Maniscalco and, and company will talk about it on the Canes cast, and I've listened to them. Right? There's, they don't see a problem with it, but I don't know how you can't. You know, I don't know how, how you look at that situation and not be like, oh, yikes. Because it's not fair to these, some of these guys to you know play third-pairing minutes or not play at all. Right? I don't think, I don't think Tony D'Angelo should be scratched, but I also don't think, I don't think Chatfield should be scratched. Exactly. But we're in a point now where it's Slavin, Burns, Shea Pesci, Chatfield, D'Angelo, Orlov. You tell me you're going to bench Orlov? No. So Orlov is playing, whether it's second or third pairing minutes. But are you going to play a eight million dollar player? Yeah, third I, pairing minutes. It just exactly. At this point, I'm just like, well, if we're going to be paying this guy all that kind of money, he needs, needs either needs to be playing with Jacob Slavin, which I'm fine if you want to put Orlov on that first pair, or he needs to be paying on that second pair. But you can't be paying him eight million to be a 
you know. Well, he's seven million. Five six. He's basically eight. I thought it was seven point <laughs> oh two five. I could be wrong. I thought it was like seven point nine something. I don't know. I don't care. Either way, you're paying a seven million dollar player, seven or eight. It doesn't matter. He needs to be playing, you know, second first pairing minutes, not third pairing minutes. It'd be stupid to do that. And again, Chatfield shouldn't be scratched, and neither should D'Angelo. So, oh, you're right. Seven point seven five. Okay, so we're closer to eight. Either way, you need to be looking at this like you need to move someone. So I don't want to use this contract as oh, Shay Pesci, you need to sign for less. It needs to be. Okay, well, now we kind of have an idea of his market value. Let's ship him off. And if you ship him off for picks and prospects, I'm not going to be mad. You could probably get a first and a second or a first or second and some prospects or whatever for Pesci. People are going to want him or trade probably him Probably a first-round pick. And if you can get a first-round pick, that's fine because you at least got something valuable that you can use later down the road. Yeah, because then you've got yourself some cap space. So if you just move Pesci for picks and prospects, You've leveled up, I think it's around $5 million in cap space. It's right around that number. Yes, and you, they cannot. I mean, you and I, we've had this discussion before, but you cannot do another Michael Furlan situation no. where it's an own rental. Not He's with Pesci. too good. Not with Pesci. And what I would say you do in this situation, too, is, I mean, you know, why not? You know, you trade Pesci, and then maybe, you, maybe you're like, hey, Kessel, you know, here's a league minimum. Come play. Kessel's already said he's okay not having his Iron Man streak, you know, intact. So throw him in there, see what he does. If not, not a big deal. Or, I, or I, I, I know the player that you really want is Eric Stahl. To I'm fine with Eric Stahl. I still think we need a fourth-line center. I do not I do, too. I don't want it to be um, Drury. Drury, because he didn't want one. He didn't want to be here. And, you know, if I'm really wanting to do something, I might throw, you know, if we make $5 million in cap space off the books... Maybe you move Tara Vinen and you're closer to that eight or nine million. I'm like, hey, Kane, here's nine mil. Come play one year. That's one a cup. Yeah, definitely. And I think all of us would feel a lot better if Pesci staying if we actually got defensemen whose purpose was to be depth, like Caleb Jones. That's fine. Having Caleb, I mean, I'm not upset about that. It's that we have too many defensemen that need that should be playing in the roster. Caleb Jones, Dylan Coglin, they're designed to come in when you need them to. It's not a big deal. Yes, but, but D'Angelo's not depth. Exactly. When you sign D'Angelo, he's supposed to be the salute or help be the solution on the power play. He's not going to do that if you scratch him. Same with Orloff. You don't bring him in just to round out your top six. You don't bring him in to be a depth guy. He, he, he's a guy that, that can potentially be, in your top two, be a top two defenseman or play in the top four. So this thing of, to me, hearing from like Corey Lavalette or Mike and Shanga be like, well, they don't have to trade him. Yes, they don't. Financially, they don't. But... It, it can create some chaos in the culture there if Yeah, no one's arguing have... that this is a, a need for cap space. Yeah, there it's is not. None. We, the cap space isn't the problem. I mean, I view it as you really need to do it just so you can get another forward. But if you're choosing not to get another forward, if you use them as a rental, you're just an idiot. Oh, I know. You can't, you can't do that again. That just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. So, uh, yes, that was the uh, contract with Jake Sanderson that somehow led into Brad Pesci. But it makes sense because they're both defensemen. Um, the uh, next piece of news, Sam, is that Arizona's GM, Doug Armstrong, signs a an extension for three years. I think that is completely fine. Honestly, I think he is um, doing pretty well of really doing a full-on rebuild with his Arizona team. And Arizona, they're not going to be a pushover. 
They're not. Nope. And I think he's doing very well as a GM. I am. I think it's good that he got an extension. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I like Arizona. I think he's doing a really good job of making this team not just competitive, but in a place to continue to get better every year. Even if they do little to no movement, it just they're they're young and they got a lot of players in their pipeline. Oh, so I do. think Arizona's a playoff team in the next two to three years, for sure. They're, they're just they got that much talent in their pipeline. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Arizona isn't the roster; it's the arena because um, yes. they need to find an arena that can hold an NHL capacity team. I mean, that arena they're in, it's meant for college. It's not meant for NHL. So, and, and I honestly hope that they can start winning and get some playoff success. And I, I honestly, I think maybe by doing that and maybe by even this year of them getting good, there will be a desire um, in Arizona for them to uh, get their own huge arena. So um, I, I'm, that's why I'm really hoping for Arizona. You know what's funny, Sam? Um, I haven't told you this, but speaking of Arizona, I, on my way to my parents' house, I believe on my uh, birthday, um, is that I saw a car with an Arizona Coyote sticker on it. Oh, that's funny out here. That's yes. kind of cool. Look, I like the organization. I think they're they they're, they've got a good fan. Their fans they have are very loyal. I don't want to see them relocate. That seems to be a minority opinion, but I would like to see them succeed. I mean, if they can't get a jersey uh, in arena at that point, there's not much you can do. But other than a relocation, but I'd really like to see this team succeed. And I think they're building up to having such a strong roster that fans are going to come because they're good. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really hope Arizona has a bright future of staying in Arizona and getting success. Yes. Uh, so uh, the next piece of news, Sam, I just want to mention it, but a couple of players retired. Um, I didn't put him on here, but Michael Delzado retired. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, Jonas Donskoy, Carl Haglin have retired. I knew the um, other I know two. those players. Yeah, good for them for retiring. I think one was more of health. I think Donskoy was a health-related reason. Yes, Carl Haglin, good hockey player. Michael Delzado, another good hockey player. I was a little surprised with Delzado. I didn't know he was retired. Yeah, he did retire. <laughs> well, good for them for having good careers and all the best to them in retirement. Yeah. And it makes you wonder about Paul Sassney a little bit. He's he hasn't retire. retired yet. You know, he has um, not, but... I mean, he and can announce it anytime. Or we can just sign him. I'm okay with that, too. Oh, my gosh. I like Stasny. I know you do. Bring Stasny or Eric Stahl back, and you'll make me one of the happiest people in the world. Oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, good careers for them. Mm -hmm. I hope they have safe um, uh, or good uh, careers outside of hockey. Um because I mean, you retire usually the age is like mid 30s to yeah. 40s, so hopefully, they have a, a good career after that, regardless of which industry they are in. Yep, uh, so uh, now we're going to go into hurricane news, Sam, and we are in the season because training camp is right around the corner. We are in that season where lots of teams are signing PTOs, and hurricanes have already delved into that madness. Uh, they have signed Nick Shore, Corey Conacher, which to me probably the player that's mostly intriguing to me. Nathan Bilio, another defenseman, signed to PTO. Uh, too many defensemen. Yeah, yeah, too many defensemen. And but I mean, these are PTOs. 
just let him go at the end. So. Um, sign but, but, one, then I'm cra- and then I'm really going to be scratching my head as a. T- All right, what's the plan? We have too many defensemen. Yeah, but I mean, to me, probably the most interesting person is probably Corey Conacher because I know he has had some some level of success. I mean, in the if, NHL. I mean, if he can come, is he a center or is he a winger? He's a winger. So if he comes in, you can play on your wing. Not a big deal. He's an extra player. I don't know. We need forwards more than we need defensemen. So, yes, we do. But again, these are PTOs. They have to prove it in order to yep. get a contract. Mm-hmm. That's how these PTOs work. Yes. Uh, so yes. And Sam, another piece of news here is that they have announced their roster for the upcoming Southeast Rookie Showcase. That's going to be happening later this week. Um, I do know, um, a lot of these are, uh, I mean, basically all these, I'm looking at the roster right now. Um, there's one big name on there that I want to, I, I really care about a lot of, a lot of good prospects on here. Uh, you have Ryan Suzuki, that's the one, Noel Gunler, uh, Jamison Reese. I think, um, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on him, Vasily Ponomarev. And, of course, the goalie that we signed that played with Brock Brindamore's son, uh, Yaniv Peretz. So I really am looking forward to seeing what Suzuki does. That's a player that at this stage you either need to trade him or he needs to make the roster. He's a first-round pick. He was supposed to be very successful. It's time for him to do something. So he's been injury-plagued, so I'm not like out here blaming him for all this, which would be stupid. But I really want to see what Suzuki can do in this showcase. Oh, I do too. And I think out of all the players, time is ticking mostly on him yeah. and all the others. Because I mean, he's been a first-round pick. I believe he was uh, the first-round selection the year after we drafted Svechnikov. Yeah, I think it was that year with... Um the Jarvis's year or the year before? I'm not sure. No, no, Jarvis's year was after that. Okay. So he's a player that's supposed to be good. So if you're giving a player a chance this year at that fourth line center role, I, I don't know why you shouldn't be giving it to Suzuki. I'm lo- I'm I'm looking at Suzuki and Jameson Reese and maybe a little bit of Pondomarev. Um, but I know uh Suzuki and uh Jameson Reese has been there for a while, so I think those two players, um, they're gonna. I think they're gonna. They have something to show for at the rookie showcase, and you never know. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I am too. And Sam, the last piece of news, which is somewhat related to what we're going to be talking about, um, Canes have partnered with the Norfolk Admirals as a way of taking on some of their prospects. Uh, Sam, um, I'm happy that they found somewhat of a team. I think the biggest thing when it comes to Hurricanes prospects is that they um, need to have a team. I'm not saying it has to be an AHL team, but they need to have a team. I don't care what league it's in. It has to be here in America that uh, can take on some of the Hurricanes prospects. So I think that was good, but I don't. I still think Sam, and this is my preference. They need an AHL team. They do. I just don't know if they're going to get it this year. Yeah, I don't know how if they're going to get it this year either. Um, I do know because there was an article on uh, the uh, Hockey News website uh, that I believe Don Waddell said that they were trying to get one. For the 2024-2025 season and beyond. So they're not going to be having one this upcoming season. What's interesting, I mean, I read that article, Sam, on the Hockey News. And it's 
and it really seemed like Carolina was shocked that the um, affiliation with Chicago fell through. But let's just go ahead and get into that. Uh, Sam, there were a lot of eyebrows raised, I think, at Carolina. I know um, in my initial reaction, I was not happy with Carolina on this, but I'm kind of a little bit mellowed out after thinking it more and more. To me, I, I see this as two teams that have different directions of how an AHL team should run. Um, so uh, the name that, or uh, the person that wrote this article, name is Tony Androkidis. I think I have completely butchered that last name. Uh, but Sam, this is the article that he wrote on how Chicago became independent. And um, I thought it was a very, a little bit revealing. Um, Sam, I know um, you told me that it was interesting how he didn't even contact the Hurricanes for their side of it. Yeah. It was just Chicago. So you can't be writing a hit piece. Because if you don't talk to the other side, it's a hit piece, right? And you've got to question the credentials of the journalist. And at this point, that's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Does it sound like something the Hurricanes probably did? Yeah. I could totally see it's it with Tom this, Dundon. It's how this management and ownership is. They overstretch and they overreach and they feel like they're more important than they are. And Tom Dundon has an inflated ego of himself. <laughs> it's just reality. He does. Um, and it's It can def- be a good thing. It can be yeah. a bad thing. Do I think they did it? Probably. Is this a hit piece, though? Probably yes, too. Only because you can't be writing something like this if you only talk to one organization. you got to talk to both. So if you're telling me you didn't ask for at least a comment from Dundon or Waddell, then at that point it's like, okay, I'm just going to look at this as your children complaining that you didn't get your way, right? I don't know how true it is. I don't really care. At the end of the day, they're not our minor league affiliate anymore. Carolina will get one next year. It's not like this is a a thing that's going to be a problem for the rest of the time Carolina's at PNC. So. But I don't think it's going to be easy. Not this year, no. I mean, that might be why. Well, not this year, but I think getting a general... Again, listen, this is an... If you look at this article, it's an interview with Chicago's GM. So there's already some credibility in there, although I think the credibility would have been a lot bigger if the journalist had written about Carolina's response yeah i mean at that point if you have a gm taking a shot at an organization you need to at least go to that organization and say hey do you want to respond to this and then in the article you can say they declined to give comment or they did you know here's their response that this is a flat-out false statement or whatever right yeah and i didn't see that at all in this um article no so that's a problem yes it is uh but yeah i'll just say what the gm said in this article uh he said the year they won it all in 2022, everything fell into place. But the year after that, it was a totally different philosophy. Um, and their coach was told, Do, don't worry about winning this year. Um, they were told to focus on developing only on the organization's top prospects. And uh, to me, this is, to me, a little bit of a problem on Carolina's side. I, I really think um, you could pr- probably blame both sides on this, uh, both Chicago and Carolina. Look, at the end of the year, I just need – I would like for the Hurricanes to address it. 
Oh, I do too. I think they should. And this article it. shouldn't have been posted until they were, and maybe they were, I don't know, but you say that in the article. We reached out to the Carolina Hurricanes and they declined response. That's what you say, and I don't know if this article said that. I don't. Did you read the whole thing? I read the whole article. And at any point did they say they reached out to the Hurricanes? No, they did not. So then they didn't do their job as a journalist. Yeah. So if you're a journalist and, a, and an organization takes a shot at another organization, straight out shot, not a insinuation, but a complete call out, it is your job as a journalist to contact that organization and say, hey, they said this in an interview, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond, what is it? And if they say we decline to respond, you say that, and that's fine, Hurricane's prerogative is to decline, or you say it's false. Right? you That's all you have to do. And this journalist did not do so. No, he did not. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and we're going to dig more of this stuff um, after our sponsors. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Back you to the article can bet Sam, $5 so. on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort... 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. A lot of other stuff came up in the fact that um, apparently lineups had to go through Carolina. And another stuff that they said... I believe is we were trying to correct it all year. Uh, we didn't sign up for this. We didn't sign up not to be competitive. And I mean, I understand this. I think every AHL team, I think every hockey team in general wants to win. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, again, I think just looking at this article face value, I think there are faults on both sides in this situation. Um, I do know later in the article, um, Apparently, the head coach was being threatened to be fired if he didn't play Kachekov more. And both goalies, I, I I done some research into this. Both goalies are playing very well, but Kachekov was actually playing a bit better than the other goalie whose name Lyon. I am forgetting. Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon, yes. Look, I'm going to be, again, just straight up. When you have, I, I'm not going to take anything this guy says at face value. Because, again, you have a lot of accusations against an organization, and they were never given a chance to respond. So all I see here is just a propaganda piece put out by the Wolves to make themselves look better for the split, while Carolina chose not to do that. So I'm more inclined to not believe most of this article, but, again, 
I just I, until it, until the hurricanes are given a chance to respond, I'm not willing to take what this guy's saying at face value because I think it's a lapse in journalistic responsibility. Oh, I listen, I, I agree too, but I also think I mean every team has their own PR. And I think you need to be aware of articles like this uh, as part of your PR duties. And I think you need to address, regardless if the journalist did his job or not, um, you need to address what has been said in an article about you that a little bit is attacking you. So um, that's kind of my stance on it. But I I, I just think both teams could, could have been a little bit better. Um, I don't think the coach should have been threatened to fire. And again, this is—I mean, this is an interview with the GM. Whether you think this is a hit piece or not, it's an interview with the GM. Um, and I mean, it, there was some revealing stuff, but overall, um, I think uh, the um, Hurricanes probably could have done better in the way of—I mean, when it comes to prospects, Sam. I mean, you want them to develop, but I think part of developing is knowing how to win. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. Have to be. You have to be able to do that. Yes. So, I mean, it, again, like you said, Gochekov was playing better. I mean, if you're not playing the better of the two, that's concerning, I guess. I don't, I, again, I don't know. I, I just, I would like for the Hurricanes to respond to these kind of accusations. Yes, they should. Regardless if a journalist did his job or not. Well, at this point, they're probably like, I don't know what we need, what we can do. This kind of came out of nowhere, so they're probably going to have to think about it, or, or maybe in their mind they feel it's best not to respond to it. And at that point, you don't give any credence to something like this. So that is a tactic some people use. They ignore it if they think it's a hit piece because they don't want to bring more attention to it. Yeah, they yeah they probably don't. But I I just think it's interesting because. Even though it might be a hit hit piece, it could very well. I mean, at the end of the day, we just don't know everything about the situation, and I think when looking at articles like this, it it might tell you a little bit about the Hurricanes organization. Mm. It might. Look, I've had some issues with ownership since they took over. I mean, I'm thankful, and I've also been clear. I'm thankful, thankful, thankful for everything they've done to make this team significantly better and their willingness to spend on on ice talent. But this is also a team, which is why, again, I think it's possible it's true. But until I get clarification from the organization, I'm just a little hesitant to believe such a thing. The reality is this is an organization that let the greatest of the greatest, the greatest currently now uh, play by play go. This is an organization that let a Hockey Hall of Fame announcer and Chuck Caton go. This is an organization that's shown that they can be very cheap in a lot of ways to the point where it's almost head-scratching. So do I believe that this team, who's kind of screwed over people like John Forslund and Chuck Caton, to say that they talked that way to the organization in Chicago? Yeah, it kind of follows their MO. Maybe that's why they're not responding, is because they don't want to confirm that they did these things. But... Again, I will. I will allow. I'm going to until the Hurricanes have made a comment. I'm choosing to say, you know, I think everything should be taken with a grain of salt when you aren't allowed to make your own. When make you know the other side of the story isn't heard. 
But does this follow the M.O. of the Tom Dundon era? Kind of does. Yeah. So you can be like me and choose to deny it right now. And my reasoning is just because the Hurricanes haven't commented on it yet. And again, I think it's I think they journalist. should, regardless of the journalist. Yes. And, and I'm also going to harp on him because it is journalistic responsibility. You should have at least asked. And he didn't. And that's a problem. And Carolina should now, at this point in time, they should say their own opinion on the thing, whether it's true or not true. And then, you know, at that point, you can choose. If they say it's not true, you can choose who you want to believe. If they say it's true, then I'm not overly, and then I'm not like shocked because again, this just it's just how the hurricanes ownership has treated people that are worth more to this organization than they are. So yeah, and I, I mean from Chicago's angle, I mean they are a team that have had very good success for a long time, so I understand them wanting to be a win now type of team, but considering they're an AHL team, Sam. I, do you think that there needs to be some responsibility of them drafting and developing prospects? Or because they can go independent, they don't have to? Chicago? Yes. Chicago can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can. Uh, I, trust me, I agree. So, I mean, they but can bring prospects. That's just the want, MO of a lot of these AHL teams. It's not good. They're not going to be good. Most AHL teams that do this aren't good. So, I mean, it's a team that Eric Stahl can go play for if he's trying to play because they're going to need NHL players. Oh, yeah. decent. So that's the kind of team that Eric Stahl can go in and even captain. Yeah, and what's interesting, uh, the Hockey News, uh, did their article on the Hurricanes affiliation problems said that if you look at all of the prospects or all, all of the uh, players that they have signed, to, whose purpose is to play in the AHL, um, all of them are these very young prospect players, and that's going to be a warning flag for a lot of AHL teams because they don't have any veteran AHL players signed. Um, do you? I mean, this is. I mean, this is. This can be an interesting conversation. Do you think they need to have or sign some veteran AHL players in order to have some um, to build some culture around these young guys. I mean, I think of it like a regular hockey team, just like in a in the NHL. I think you need to surround young players with the right veterans. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean you need to. It's any organization, right? It doesn't matter how young you are, how good you are, or not. You need to have some young talent, and you need to have some veteran presence on it as well. So, Carolina is a good match, right? You have someone like Jordan Stahl, and you have someone like. Seth Jarvis, right? You got a young guy, older guy, Brent Burns, older guy, you know, Jacob Slavin, a little bit younger guy. So, well, pretty much all of our D right now are kind of the veteran side, veteran side of things. Yeah. So look, you just got to be a solid look. The end of the day, everyone knows you need a good mix of both for leadership reasons. So that's just the direction you need to go. So it's that way for any, any league in professional sports football hockey baseball you need a good mix of you need a lot of good young talent that can keep your organization going well for years to come and you need some veteran presence to to really help lead you to greatness as well because they've been there done that yeah so i'm guessing you agree that the hurricanes probably need to sign some ahl level veteran experience to help along those young players it wouldn't be a bad idea it's just going to be hard this year because yeah it is don't have that team so you're not going to be in a position to stick them there. Yes. So, I mean, I still think Hurricanes are 
again, I really do think it is a problem that they don't have solely a team that they can rely on. I mean, they partner with the Norfolk Admiral, Sam, but it doesn't seem like that's a team that they are fully relying on, like they did with Chicago. Uh, so I, I still think they sort of solve the problem with Norfolk, but sort of not really at the same time. Uh, but it seems like they're going to be trying to get that team that they solely rely on um, uh, in 2024-2025 season, and I think they need to add some veterans to just help those young guys. Yeah. It's just like any team. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, so, Sam, aren't you happy we're back? Yep. It means we're close to hockey season starting up. Oh, I know. I don't know when training camp's going to score. I know all the players are back, though. Uh, a couple weeks, right? Because when's the first preseason game? First preseason game, I think, is in three weeks, I believe. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so while you're looking that up, um, I do want to say to uh, you guys who are listening to this that um, it is going to be fun as we uh, get closer and closer to the regular season. Um, hoping to get probably maybe a couple of guests on. I know Sam's already reached out to a recurring guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to be delving into uh, the season that we're kind of probably already in um, uh, with people like us, YouTubers, podcasters alike, that in the way of we're going to be doing our own NHL standing predictions. We're going to be our doing official season preview for the Hurricanes. Um, 26th and 26th. Okay. September 26th, first preseason game, which means training camp probably starts at least a few days before that, if not like a week or so before, because they'll start practicing, getting ramped up and ready to go. And then you have two games. Remember as well on the 29th, one in Florida, you know, both in Florida, once against Tampa, once against the Panthers. So, um, Carolina plays Tampa twice, Florida twice, Nashville twice. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. So we will see you guys for the next episode. See you. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, check them out on Instagram and Twitter at the Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.